From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Monday, November 28th. This year, Grand County's lawmakers wrestled with a problem. In their own code, camping is expressly illegal outside of established campgrounds, even on private property. But they knew people were doing it anyway. Notably, they knew local workers who don't have many other housing options were living in their cars, RVs, camper vans, in little pockets around the county. It left elected officials and staff in an awkward position. We know in our community, because of the housing crisis, we've got a lot of people sleeping in vehicles or sleeping in trailers. Um, Many of these are, are not legal. The enforcement has been kind of lax because our code enforcement people don't want to leave somebody homeless. Kevin Walker, Grand County Commissioner. The situation all came to a head this spring when about 16 people working as guides for a local outfitter were threatened with eviction. They'd been living on privately owned property in cars and RVs on the west side of town, known colloquially as the swamp. The county received two anonymous complaints about the area and were in a position where they had to act. Commissioners could either enforce their no camping rule, kick everyone out, or create a legal pathway for those guides and others like them to stay. They chose the latter. And it's taken the better part of this year to figure it all out. Um, It took us a few tries. There's just lots of details in an ordinance like this that can go more than one way. The final product just passed in mid-November. What commissioners came up with is called the Alternative Dwelling Overlay. Property owners like those at the Swamp can now apply to become a long-term camp park. We've got a lot of RV parks in the Valley, and this just creates a new designation that would allow things like that, but only for long-term residents. To have a long-term residential camp park, property owners must provide hookups to utilities or have bathhouses and a potable water supply available. Walker says the county doesn't have a map of where these should go. Instead, they have a rigorous set of parameters with which to judge each application by. How much regulation they should put into the ordinance was a huge source of debate from the get-go. Because the more regulations we put, the more expensive these things become and the fewer developers who might want to develop them. So, I mean, kind of the whole point of this is housing that we can get online quickly to help house people who are living in our community. And so I, I think there was a balancing act trying to put enough rules in place that these things don't become horrible cesspools, but we also want to keep them inexpensive and easy to bring online quickly. This ordinance is basically an experiment. It will expire after 150 units have been approved or one year from now, whichever comes first. Walker imagines a number of areas that could immediately be eligible for long-term camp park status. You know, we've got the swamp, there's a contractor's used RV park. I think um, Pat Creek RV park has some areas. So I I think those three places could fill up half that quota pretty quickly. Application materials for long-term camp parks are going live today on Grand County's planning and zoning websites. For Walker, he says it's important to consider this as part of the larger strategy to improve housing in our community. We have certainly haven't solved the housing crisis, just like you know other communities throughout the West. You know have have similar problems, but we are trying really hard, and we've been trying hard for a few years. So this is just part of a, a larger effort to to address housing, and and I I think these efforts um, are are beginning to show some results. You can find more information on the alternative dwelling overlay in the show notes.
Republican U.S. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert says she's been unfairly blamed for a mass shooting in Colorado. Five people were killed and more injured in a shooting that occurred on November 19th at Club Q, an LGBTQ nightclub in Colorado Springs. Bobert has tweeted anti-LGBTQ statements in the past, comparing gender-affirming health care for transgender kids to grooming and directing contempt towards kid-friendly drag shows in her district. Here's Bobert on One American News Network late last week. It has to come to an end, this blame game. You know, I think the left is pissed that I won my election. So they're trying to find something to go after me uh, about. Um, you know, I expressed my concern for the family, for the victims. And the way that they came after me is absolutely disgusting. And, it, you know, we're all sick of this. Bobert doubled down in the interview, saying she was opposed to, quote, grooming and the, quote, sexualization of children that she says is happening through comprehensive sex education in schools. The Club Q shooter appeared in court for the first time last week. No charges have been filed yet, but prosecutors are advising five counts of first-degree murder and five counts of bias-motivated crime. That's Colorado's legal term for a hate crime. The court scheduled an in-person hearing for December 6th, but the defense asked for a sooner date. One Utah group is pleased with the Environmental Protection Agency's latest proposal to further reduce methane pollution from oil and gas drilling. This comes almost a year after President Joe Biden announced a methane rule for existing oil and gas wells nationwide, rather than solely focusing on new ones. Alex Gonzalez with our partners at the Public News Service reports. The latest rule targets drilling sites which are considered to be high-polluting, low-producing wells. Executive Director of the group Breathe Utah, Ashley Miller, says they support the stipulations that made it into the rule as the Biden administration continues to tackle climate change. I think that the EPA really did take into consideration all of the conversations that we've had over this with them for the last many years. The EPA's rule mandates producers to closely monitor operations, identify methane leaks, and do routine checks at well sites. The new rule also aims to reduce flaring or burning of natural gas at well sites. According to the Environmental Defense Fund, reducing gas waste from leaks and flaring could provide over half of the 50 billion cubic meters per year of natural gas to European allies to address the energy crisis brought on by the war between Russia and Ukraine. Miller says with good rules, good enforcement also is needed. She believes this new proposal encompasses a diverse group of producers that contribute varying levels of methane pollution across the country. For Utah, Miller sees this direction by the EPA as crucial, especially for certain parts of the state that are subject to greater impacts of greenhouse gas emissions. I think that that is really crucial for Utah because of the Uinta Basin's unique wintertime ozone pollution that they experience. You know, it's really unlike any other place in the country where ozone is way more of a summertime issue. She adds it's also important to highlight the willingness of operators who want to be part of the solution for better air quality. She thinks the framework of the new rule is not only crucial, but feasible and not out of reach for stakeholders. I'm Alex Gonzalez reporting. New e-bike restrictions are taking effect this month in all wildlife and waterfowl management areas in the state. UPR's Caroline Long has more. Effective since November 7th, off-road use of Class 2 and Class 3 e-bikes is prohibited in all waterfowl and wildlife management areas, or WMAs. And these are areas that the Division of Wildlife Resources owns specifically for preserving habitat and protecting wildlife and then giving 
sportsmen and women who want to go out and hunt and fish areas that they can go and hunt and fish. Chad Betridge, captain with the Division of Wildlife Resources Law Enforcement, says Class 2 and 3 e-bikes are bikes that are propelled with throttles. You don't have to you don't have to pedal as hard, so you're, you're maybe a little more willing to, to get farther off the trail and to get into places that you normally wouldn't go if you were on a pedal bike. Off-road vehicle traffic leads to new trails being created, Betridge says. And then those trails get expanded, which, you know, destroys the habitat that is critical for winter feeding grounds for deer and resting ponds for waterfowl. Once a small trail is created and then other people start going up and down on these same trails, the damage just keeps compounding on top of itself. Betridge says foot traffic is allowed in all wildlife management areas, but some areas close down in the winter to protect deer populations. So it's just important for people to understand when they're going to a WMA to look at the signs. There'll be different signs different times of the year, and it might even reference, you know, check our website to see what the restrictions are. There are 193 wildlife management areas and waterfowl management areas in Utah. Ultimately, Betridge says, WMAs were created to protect Utah's natural resources and offer recreational opportunities to its residents. I'm Caroline Long. There are several wildlife and waterfowl management areas in Grand County, including the Scott and Norma Matheson Wetlands Preserve. And that's the KZMU News for Monday, November 28th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.